Hello there, folks, and welcome back once again to Booze, Booms, and Busts, the podcast where we quaff a few beers while discussing market events. This is episode 84 of this series. We're back once again at the tail end of summer. Uh, my name is Boai Shoshan, and as ever, I'm joined by Sam Volkring. Sam, how are you getting on this week? Good. I hadn't thought about it like that before when you said the tail end of summer. Yeah. It's, I, 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 I kind of have been quite enjoyed this summer to be fair and um and to think of it now as the tail end means that christmas comes next basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe that means there's going to be some tail risks in the market i think we're okay. seeing plenty of those these days tail risks in the market it's like it, it's like a it's like a, a punch drunk boxer that just is kind of getting up off the mat and then stumbling around and everyone's like oh yeah maybe it Oh, no, 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 it's fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a uh, an interesting time. Uh, plenty to discuss, as ever, Sam. What shall we start with this week? Uh, last time we were having one of these uh, chats, uh, in episode 83, we were talking about Chelsea Clinton and Baron Trump. I think that was probably <laughs> one of our uh, best episodes, that one, actually. So I do feel like we have, there's a lot of pressure to do well as this episode 84 there's uh, plenty of tech surveillance we could do 1984 edition um oh man there's there's so many there's like oh god where where do you start so i mean there's we could we could there's everything from um what is it the uh, inflation reduction act uh that oh yeah that's that just one. passed through uh through the u.s um I don't know if you saw this, but this is this is one of the most astonishing stories I've ever seen in 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 global governance and history. Have you seen how Australia's now former Prime Minister Scott Morrison secretly Go, secretly allocated himself into ministerial positions uh, signed off by the Governor General uh, that nobody knew about? So he secretly put himself, like it's like this shadow ministry he created within his own party. Um, whereas the prime minister is basically supposed to be like the, the sort of minister of the government. The executive, yeah. Yeah, he, he, is, he appointed himself into all of these cabinet positions. Like, uh, I can't remember exactly <laughs> oh, which this, ones. <laughs> this is incredible. I've not heard of it. Yeah, yeah. tell me more. It's it's astonishing. It's astonishing that so he what he effectively did is by signing himself into all these ministerial positions, gave himself absolute authority over his entire basically his entire government. So he 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 more or less instituted himself uh, as an autocratic leader within his own party, and none of his own, none of his party knew about it. Only the that governor is, general knew about it. I have so many questions. So many questions here. Okay. This is really interesting. So I don't need to get my party's support. I don't need support of the cabinet because I, in a way, am the cabinet because I'm also secretly a minister for all these things. Yes. Okay. Yes. Number one, was he paid for all of these additional duties that he had decided to burden himself with in the public interest? No. I mean, it's this this very strange. He should have been paid more. It's, the it, I guy mean, obviously just wanted to go above and beyond the call of duty in public service. Yeah, it's 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 really I, I just I can't even understand how why you would do it and and how it even comes comes into force. But it 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 kind of completely overrides any sense of of democracy. 
<laughs> and puts himself at the pinnacle of this dictatorship. And it was done in secret. See, Literally. This, is, this is a question. I don't understand that. How, if he was able to uh, deliver, make policy decisions without the consent of the cabinet, the cabinet must have all been aware of it, right? Well, no, that, that's the thing. As far as, as again, I'm, trying to, I'm still trying to wrap my head exactly around how this worked. But um, his party didn't, didn't know. Apparently, the only person that knew was the governor general because in order to sign himself in and swear himself in as, in these, into these ministerial positions, he had to get the approval of the governor general. So the governor general knew. But the governor general came out and said, well, it wasn't my responsibility to tell people about his secret policy moves and decisions that's not that's not my job as the governor general he's just kind of plausible deniability over it all really but like uh, people in the government must have been aware that like uh scomo is not getting our consent to execute on this policy how is he able to execute on this policy right yeah i'm not 100 percent sure exactly how it impacted see i this is the other thing right i while it it's it's quite an, an affront to um the whole idea of, of what you know parliament is and, and, and the ministerial positions um it it i don't under, I, I still don't know if it actually did anything do you know what i mean like i'm not sure that it, he actually used those powers ah right right that's interesting yeah, it was a just in case, just in case. See, once again, ScoMo is just thinking in the public interest, right? So he has yeah, gone so and given himself dozens of extra ministerial jobs, full-time ministerial jobs, and he doesn't even tell anybody about it. That's how much he loves Australia. You know, yeah, this guy uh, is an idol of public service. Apparently, I mean, like it's weird. So I, I was just trying to find out exactly what those roles in the ministry were. So he. He, he became, he signed himself in as the Joint Minister for Health, Finance and Resources two years before. So this was two years ago now, apparently. And, and so <laughs> apparently, as again, this is, this is according to some of the news reports, the Governor General said it was consistent with Section 64 of the Constitution. But there's debate as, as to whether it was actually legal or anything. It's 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 so strange. So oh, hang on, here we go. Here we do we do have something here. So, um, right. So so this is this is what's great, right? So the finance minister at the time, Matthias Corman, he only learned last week that the role he had as finance minister was actually jointly held with the prime minister. So he didn't know. So his own finance minister didn't know about this. And then he was also sworn in as the second resources minister. So this is on the BBC reporting of it. Um, I'm going to read this out because this is great. Mr. Morrison was sworn in as the second resources minister joining Keith Pitt last year. Mr. Morrison used his powers to block a, a, a gas exploration license in New South Wales, a decision opposed by Mr. Pitt. So he did actually use those powers. Nice. I, how did he do it in secret? Oh, he, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose when, the, he's the when Minister, he just, does it, he just rolls up to the governor general and goes, yo, GG, sign me into health finance and resources. Thanks. Cause you know, um, I need, I, ne I need some experience, some work experience for when I leave office and go into the private sector. Yeah, he was just, uh, <laughs> he was just taking a, a page out of Dick Cheney's book with the whole unitary executive thing. 
Yeah, making sure he's got guys in every department. It is um, phenomenal. It is phenomenal to have inserted himself into these positions as joint minister. And the people that were minister didn't even know. When the prime minister does it, it's not illegal. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. It's, it is absolute. So what, what I, I, the thing that just cracks me up about this is it's just another example of these people in these fucking powerful positions just doing whatever the fuck they want to do. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the thing about occupying lots and lots of different government ministries, um, obviously, oh, well, yeah, I mean, there's a bit of that. So I'm back from Turkey now, I'm back from Istanbul. Uh, fantastic trip. I would thoroughly recommend it if you're a foreigner and you've got hard currency. Everything isn't actually as cheap as you think it is. Uh, some things are very cheap, but a lot of things aren't. Like uh, the in Istanbul, they know how to rinse foreigners at uh, cocktail <laughs> bars and whatever. Like All they right. are keeping up with inflation. I mean, it's cheaper than it would be in London, obviously. But like, you know, you can still have like a massive meal for like 35 pounds. Yeah. But um, it's the sort of the certain echoes of that with Erdogan's mm. uh, regime where he, he has inserted, he has made himself minister for lots of different things. And uh, it's his family and friends who uh, occupy all of these other important roles. And indeed this week, in the face of 80% inflation, the Turkish central bank thinks it's time for a nice interest rate cut. <laughs> I mean, I, we laugh at it and we can laugh at it because we're, 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 we're foreigners, but uh, Man, seriously depressing really depressing like when you go there and millennials are well everyone but millennials especially when they don't own property are just getting absolutely shafted uh, uh, are a lot of people looking to leave the country yes but it's really hard to because visas to europe are very hard to come by and you have to like game the system in a lot of ways so i met a turkish woman who was uh going to study in spain uh, to study yeah and it was to study spanish right but she has no interest in studying spanish whatsoever she just needs uh to be offered a place at the university there in order to then get a student visa so she can go there oh, and wow. uh then like spain i think they have this like uh, or is it france i can't remember i oh, know i think no germany has this thing where if you're a student to go there because they know so many Tur- Turkish people want to just leave Turkey. Yeah. In order to get the visa, you need to be able to prove that you have enough money to spend for a month. So you end up having to like give them a bond of like 10,000 euro, which mm. you will then draw from every month in order to get there. Uh, so yeah, yeah Tur- loads of all the Turkish young people, kind of, well, not all of them, obviously I didn't meet that many, but in Istanbul, the Turks that I met were definitely keen on leaving for greener pastures, not because they hate Turkey. They're very, very patriotic there. They love their country. Yeah. But uh, because the economy is really, really dire. You know what? I reckon one of the, one of the, this, uh, this sort of is along the lines of what you're saying there. And, and this could be one of the great ways to game a system is um, at uh, the other day, was it just a couple of days ago, about four days ago, four or five days ago, I saw a, an article uh, which I've brought up again here, and it is the number of Commonwealth Games athletes and delegates missing has increased to 17. So uh, the Commonwealth Games that were held in Birmingham and uh, 17 athletes have disappeared. Apparently 10 of those were Sri Lankan. Um, 
This happens at every Commonwealth Games or Olympics is that a number of delegates and athletes go there to compete and then just fail disappear into the um into the country they've they've basically gone to more or less we say disappear it's not like they've been murdered or anything like that they have literally just actively tried to fucking illegally stay in the country just to escape their own um it's not a bad way of of getting the fuck out of dodge hey i mean i think this fits into my immigration policy i think we could use a fair few more athletes over here maybe uh we could naturalize them. They can represent the UK. I mean, we're not bad on sport in the UK, but uh, you know, there's always room for uh, for more pro athletes. Yeah, there are there are some areas where I mean, I'm sure. I mean, what 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 areas would you would you look for? Would you try and maybe recruit some Chinese uh, uh, table tennis players? Yeah, yeah that's the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I so let's. I'd see. be going we, hard on Sri Lanka, maybe for cricket or something. Yeah, definitely for cricket. Um, but then, but I don't know. Actually, I think, yeah, on cricket we're pretty good though. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's like wow. what we're lacking is be certain <laughs> athletics, uh, th- certain athletics disciplines. I think, mm. like obviously we're great at cycling, but you know, uh, track and field. Uh, obviously, we're still pretty good, still but you know, we need good. more more of them. I don't follow sport too much. Where do you think uh, is Britain's real? Uh, other than cricket, of course. <laughs> Britain's one of those countries where you actually got you're actually pretty good at a lot of a lot of different things. I mean, the, you, you know, some of the categories like weightlifting tend to be dominated by a lot of Asian countries. Really, um, I'm just thinking, you know, like uh, even like Malaysia and places. Well, like that. the problem here, right, is that it's the Commonwealth Games. So they all play British sports. So <laughs> yeah. the sports that we're trying to recruit for aren't in the Commonwealth. Well, that, that's our, true. So our, it, our an Olympics is probably a, a smarter uh, route to take. Yeah. I mean, Commonwealth Games, uh, look, the, as I've said before, the Commonwealth Games are basically school sports for Australia and, and the UK. Um, well, Australia and England, really. Um, because all the other all the other British countries uh, compete independently, so you know that that's maybe not ideal. But the thing about the Commonwealth Games that that works for you as opposed to the Olympics is there's a lot of like shitter sports in the Commonwealth Games that you could probably qualify for, whereas it's a lot harder to qualify for Olympics. Of course, of course, yeah, because it's a smaller ultimate. It's a much smaller event, isn't it? Yeah, like you're a better chance of of like becoming part of the um, I don't know, Papua New Guinean uh, fucking lawn bowls team than, than you probably are of, you know, an Olympic weightlifting team. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that it's still got the, uh, you know, if you've got that, you've got enough drive to compete at a high enough level and you've got the balls to then just go and defect. Like that's pretty, uh, you know, oh, that's integrity. I'll take that. We've missed a trick in the 2012 Olympics. We should be like, yo, you want to defect? Come to the Olympics. <laughs> so this is uh, this is going to be an issue. If my boys become uh, athletic in their pursuits, um, they're going to have to eventually make a decision as to, I don't know if it, this is defecting or just, just playing favorites, is that they are both Australian and British citizens. So they mm-hmm. would, would have the flexibility to, to choose. It depends on what their accent's going to be, mate. Yeah. Are they going to take more after the father or the mother? Well, considering the other day, I said something to Max and he just goes, no worries, dad. I was just like, yes, mate. <laughs> <laughs> We've got an Aussie insurgency inside our shores. 
Yeah, we we info. I've I've thought about this a lot, and it's like I was like, if they ever got good at rugby, would I be the would I be the dad that sits uh, in and they chose to play for England? Would I be the dad that sits in the England family and friends section wearing my Wallabies top? <laughs> well, mate, the big one would be cricket. Would you want them wearing that green cap? I think you would. Oh, the, I, they, I I think if it came to cricket, um, it'd have I'd have to it'd be have to be the baggy green. I, I don't I don't. I feel, I feel like I'd have to move the whole family. <laughs> Just, well, you probably, well, you'd be a celebrity if you did, like if that happened anyway in Australia. So of course, like, you know. Or even better, I split the boys into one country each and have them compete against each other. I mean, exactly. Oh man, this is a screenplay right there. Can you imagine that? Test at the ashes. They face off at the ashes. One of them's a bowler, one of them's a batsman. Oh mate. That would be that actually would make for a great movie. <laughs> it would big time. No, I'm, gonna the, the to, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to buy a buy a place back out in Australia. Spend six months there, six months here for the rest of our lives, just so that I can split the boys into opposing Test cricket sides, so that one day they can play off in the Ashes against each other. One of them, one of them's got a, a strong Aussie accent. The other one really, really likes the Wolves accent, and he's picked that up real well. Oh yes. Coming to blows on the wicket. Oh no, or not coming to blows because that's not cricket. But uh, um, yeah, the sledging. Well, the sledging, the sledging would be very interesting. The, what would the, the sledging be? The some of the sledges would would sort of. I think they probably wouldn't work. Like you know, a lot of those. Uh, you know, your your mum style sledges. Then <laughs> yeah, that's the, not going to work. It's just not going to work. I don't think. <laughs> oh mate. Anyway, we that, that was slightly it was slightly off track from, time, from where we where we were before. <laughs> oh yeah, so where were we? Oh ah, yes, we were. Uh, so you've you've come to power and you've decided that not only will you take the role that you've been given, you will also do every other role in order to then execute your policies. Yeah, I can't yeah. I, I, I can't figure out if it's admirable or incredibly dece- deceptive and 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 undermining. I mean, like you said, hey, you don't hate the player, you know? Yeah. You know. I think I respect I was, him more now. Tough, tough. I, I, I think, I think it probably is. I mean, everyone's up in arms about it, but at, at the same time, it's like, yeah, if it's not illegal, it's not illegal. <laughs> yeah. You don't even need to pull the, if the president does it, it's not illegal. It's just not illegal. The governor general is just, it's the constitution, man. It's like it's it's the vibe of it. It's the constitution. You 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 can't argue against the constitution. So why everyone still fucking has guns in America? It's the constitution, mate. It is. Uh, you know, right to bear arms, they shall, and those rights shall not be infringed. Yeah. yeah. I think can't that, argue against we, the constitution. We've had this discussion before. When it comes to the five eyes guys, mm. like the Australian constitution is like the weakest of them all when it comes to defending civil liberties. So really, if you got a problem, you need to bring it up at like the Australian, uh, you know, supreme level. Yeah. It's, it, it feels like it's kind of like constitution light, the, the Australian constitution. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> the American ones is like, yeah, it's like the, the, the granddaddy of all constitutions. And the Australian yeah. one's just kind of like the TLDR version of it. <laughs> I think Canada's the same though. Canada's got a pretty light when it, well, light when it comes to defending civil liberties. Um, 
But then it's the same with the Kiwis. All of the like all of the colonies apart from America have pretty like all the Anglo like countries uh, that aren't the UK are pretty light on this stuff because you guys didn't have the Magna Carta. That's probably not a coincidence. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 definitely by design. That's probably still why we fucking play in the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, you still got the Queen on your banknotes, man. Actually, there's been there's been there's been a resurgence of um, of Australia turning into a republic uh, recently. Really? Which 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 then and I've said this before. I I think the Commonwealth Games is is on a, a limited timeline for its existence. If Australia were to become a republic, thereby not actually being able to compete in the Commonwealth Games anymore, what would that do to the Commonwealth Games? Would that kill it? I think that would kill it. I think it'd be great. We just win everything. Actually, you would win everything. Yeah, I mean, you're just making it easier for us. Maybe. <laughs> I think. I think when it comes to like uh, Australian republicanism, obviously, uh, you know way more about this than me. But I think the fact that you guys haven't changed the flag yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Canada has. Hmm. Yeah, that Canada. I mean, obviously, Canada's close to uh, closer to America, so you know we've got a bit more of that uh, rebellious spirit. Yeah, they should just they should just drop the British um, the British flag part of it. No, no, they should just make the British flag bigger. <laughs> they should just have the they should just have the British flag. Oh uh, uh, dear, that wouldn't that wouldn't go down well with the republics republics no. republics. No, I don't think so. But... so dear. <laughs> okay. Man. What one quick question about this? Like, why why was it South Wales? Why was it New South Wales? Oh, see, this is, I don't understand, right? Either like Queensland makes a lot of sense because sure. Victoria makes sense. Yeah, uh, Victoria makes sense. Western Australia is probably makes more sense than anything. Um, same with South Australia. They didn't get really. It's kind of like they named the Eastern Seaboard, and then they got to sort of South Australia, the Northern Territories, which came a bit later, uh, and Western Australia, and then they were just kind of like, oh, it's like, it's in the middle, but South. Oh yeah, that'll do South Australia, and that one, yeah, it's it's West. Oh, yeah, that'll do West Australia. Fuck, I'm bored of this shit now. <laughs> they just sort of went that path, but um, New South Wales. I don't know because it would make sense like because if you think about Wales right and you think about the actual um, geography of Wales there's nothing above it and there's nothing below it Mm -hmm. whereas New South Wales is smack bang in between two other states yeah so how can it be that New New South South Wales? Wales where's New North Wales that's right or mm. just where's New Wales? Yeah, why isn't it just New Wales? I guess the, the Welsh settlers uh, distinguished themselves from uh, folk from Northern Wales at the time. I or mean, I mean, is it is just because that it's it's south of the equator? South of the equator? Well, in that case, I think Australia is New South Wales, you know? <laughs> yeah. Why isn't Victoria <laughs> then New South England? Yeah. New South Cornwall. But I suppose New England was already taken, or was it already taken by then? I don't know. Maybe, um, yeah, maybe the uh, maybe uh, Tasmania should be New Jersey, 
but because the Americans already have it, it should be New New Jersey, you know? Uh, Tasmania should be should be called Warmer Scotland. I really? Think. Well, it is. They got slightly, Highlands up there. It is slightly no, Highlands down there. Um, they they do have um, a, a reasonably mountainous terrain. Um, it does get fucking cold there. Not as cold as Scotland, but it does get cold. And they do have very fine whiskey making down in Tasmania. There's a lot of similarities, actually. Apart yeah, from the fact that it is a pure island itself. I really want to go there. Well, I, yeah, the whole... I'm still on the on the fence about Australia because, like, I told you during this podcast, like, what the what the government did during during lockdown just made me turn me really off yeah. Australia. Yeah. Um, but I always I've always wanted to go to Tasmania because it just sounds like a really cool uh, little island. Well, have you been to America? Yeah. Well, there you go. There's your answer. <laughs> well, what's the answer? How do you mean? Well, if America does a lot of shit you don't like. Fuck it, you still go there. No, America did not act the way the Australian government did during the okay. lockdown. Right. That's, that's okay. That's valid. Um, I'd ask if you've been to China, but I'm not sure that's that would be high on your list either. Yeah, I, I don't think I can go to China anymore. <laughs> I've spoken to some folks who say, "Yeah, man, Chinese government—they don't care. Like the if, Chinese don't care. Like, they just don't care." And I've spoken to other ones, other folks from China who say. Yeah, you really definitely should not go to China. Uh, so I think I'm probably going to err on the side of caution here. And while, you know, I love the Chinese and uh, I would love to, to go there, mm. Chinese government, um, hmm, yeah, not, not a big fan. And uh, I've made that kind of clear. So probably, probably, not, uh, probably not in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> i got to admit, it, is, it does make... It, it it would make you reconsider if you're a tourist and you're and you're thinking if you've thought about going to Australia. I guarantee you there's a lot of people like you that have just been. Like, I'm not going there now. Fuck that. I'm not. If I'm not running the risk that they lock me inside the country if something kicks off again. The only reason, to be fair, I'd be I, I'm going back is just to visit people. But um, I don't have a great desire for sim- similar reasons. To be fair. It's amazing and what what that has done for I mean I'll be interested to see over the next few years just what the impact on tourism has been to the country. Yeah. Yeah. It was already a difficult country to get to. Yeah, exactly, maybe, right. Maybe that'd be enough to you know put some people off. It didn't it did it didn't need any more uh hurdles for people to have to jump to try and get out there. Yeah, I'll be in uh, Stockholm next week. I'm going back there. We did a few booze, yeah. booms, and busts when I was in Stockholm yeah. a couple of years ago. What takes you back uh, to Stockholm? Uh, the Solana Hacker House uh, oh, yeah. will be there. I'll be presenting there. If you're in, if you're oh, in hello. Stockholm, we have any listeners uh, who fare from Sweden, uh, do feel free to come over. Uh, this will be it. Will be a very fun, uh, fun presentation. So, if you want to come, is, say what is the uh, what is the topic, or is it specific to uh, the Specific to uh, to work, uh, but you know, I uh, yeah. If you have any any jokes you think I should say, Sam, I've been thinking about the appropriate. I never my time in Stockholm. I did not truly get a good idea of what Swedish humor is. Dry, uh, I'm guessing. Yeah, I would think so too. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> but if you do think of any Swedish jokes, uh, like currently the current list is um, uh, based on. The price of beer, funnily enough, in mm. Sweden, mm. Uh, and their uh, great innovation when it comes to chewing tobacco. 
which uh, is not shared by many people in the UK. Most people don't understand how good a nice bit of chewing tobacco is. So nice that I've got some in right now. Feels really, really good. But uh, you'd, you'd yeah, go, you'd go down like well in a baseball dugout. Yeah, I do want to go to a baseball game someday. I feel like oh, I'd uh, be amongst amongst the brethren. <laughs> we should we should try and go to a baseball game together at some point. The only problem is every time I go to America, it's always in fucking winter, so they never have any of the good sports on. Why you? Why do you always go in winter? Christmas? Ah, because I when it, the only time I really ever go these days is for uh, CES, which is always around January. Right, right. Uh, in Las Vegas, so although to be fair, if I'm, the timing's good, I might be able to get to an NFL game. But that doesn't really. I feel like baseball is one of those. It's a bit like cricket in that sense of one of those games where you can just sort of sit around and drink and fuck around all day and just sort of relax a bit more. Yeah, it's not so frenzied. Yeah. Uh, something like uh, rugby or soccer, as the Americans would say. <laughs> That's what we say in Australia too. It's called soccer. Yeah, it really? took me. It took me a long time to get soccer out of my vocabulary. Um, and uh, ensure that my boys didn't pick it up because they would be terrorized if they started going to school calling it soccer yeah that's uh yeah you don't want to make make your kids say something like that in class that would not go down well apparently it's bad enough that i say yogurt instead of yogurt so yeah that's pretty bad Haley's like they're gonna get picked on at school i'm not gonna get fucking picked on at school because they say yogurt she's like you wait and i'm like all right <laughs> i remember kids at my school who said yogurt and they uh <laughs> yeah that was not left alone uh shit oh well <laughs> yeah anyway sam we should probably uh we should probably do a little more market commentary as of course uh while it is always good to shoot the breeze about all things and anything uh this is of course a uh, a market a market uh influence <laughs> so it is supposed to be um and there is an endless amount to talk about so okay all right tornado cash tornado cash that's a bit that's a bit worrying isn't it <laughs> mm, okay so for anybody listening who's not aware tornado cash is a, a protocol on uh, ethereum which allowed people to effectively make their uh, their funds anonymous so you would send your ethereum through it and you would get uh anonymous ethereum effectively back it'd been mixed with so many other other uh so much other ETH from all these other places that it was it's very hard to trace. Not impossible to trace, clearly, but one of the main devs for Tornado Cash, who created this, op like, uh, this open platform for uh, facilitating anonymity on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, he was in the Netherlands, I believe, and they got him. They found him, uh, busted his door down. I dread to think how many armed police there were. And uh, yeah, they black bagged him. I don't know if his name has even been released yet. Um, I haven't seen it, but it's it's kind of. I mean, it's. I, I don't know the full details of why he was arrested, um, but it, you have to ask the questions like, what did he actually do wrong? If he's just developed, if he's just helped build tornado cash, that in itself is not a crime. If that was oh, it if, is. Oh, it is. They're gonna get him. He's not the, gonna see daylight for the rest yeah. of his life. Wow. I mean, I understand that. The, what didn't they do the same? Oh god, who was it? They arrested somebody else. Um ah, oh, I can't remember. Oh, was it one of the Zcash guys? No, one of the Monero guys. 
Uh, was that Fluffy Pony? Fluffy uh, but Pony. He, that's he right. was fine though. It was on different charges. Yeah, and he got away with yeah, that. But still, kind of in the same vein. But it, nonetheless, it, it's kind of the the act of building the platform itself should be legally arguable that it's, that's not illegal because it's like that would be like um, arresting everyone at fucking Smith and Wesson and mate and sending them to jail, right? The manufacturer. Or everyone at HSBC, for example. <laughs> name a bank that that hasn't laundered money is probably easier um an easier task but you're right you know why why aren't there cs in jail because of that because they don't like crypto bro this is something that's harder to control you can't institutionalize it mm. as a result uh yeah anyone who's involved in building the architecture that is facilitating money laundering must be put away for a long time. You know, what? The, probably the biggest takeaway I've got from this is the fact that Satoshi decided to stay anonymous. Like Smart. everyone, everyone thinks, "Oh, why did why did he stay anonymous?" And you know, maybe he's dead. But he, the whole pretty fucking clear why he stayed anonymous. <laughs> exactly. the 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 longer time goes on, the more utterly evident it is that Satoshi was well aware of what he was building and how hated it would be yeah. by all state entity, entities, or most of the big ones anyway. And, and if, if Satoshi is still alive, then there's even more reason for him to never, or her, to never reveal who they are, because guarantee someone will find a way to send them into the slammer or to coerce them to, to, to revealing the keys. or something. You, you just wouldn't do it, right? You just wouldn't do it. And that's why it's weird when like a lot of TradFi people are like, oh my God, um, you know, anon devs and a whole project with an anon team. It's just like, yeah, so would you want everyone to fucking know who you are? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yes, there's an element of risk there, but at the same time, it's probably actually not a bad decision either. You can't blame them. No. Uh, I think it is good that when devs do dox themselves, as it, it is lend a lot of credibility to what they're building. But at the same time, I don't blame anyone for for folks who don't, especially when you have folks who are, who are like who are not living in the UK, uh, who are not living in in uh, very free countries. Uh, though arguably, whether or not uh, the West is very free, I mean, this guy was in the Netherlands. Uh, the US, of course, is pretty uh, has been pretty strict on things like DeFi. Yeah, the so, fact that it was the Dutch too—that's yeah. I think that's unbelievable. Dutch are pretty pro-authority, aren't they? Yeah, and the Dutch have always, you know, been very big on on pushing for innovation and uh, technology, and you know, they got some, they've had some great success stories over the years, and and even, you know, there's a lot of Dutch developers in, in crypto and a lot of stuff that gets has been worked on for years and years and years and years before it even really became a thing, and yet, uh, yeah, they were the ones that. Maybe maybe they were uh, under the under the influence of external parties as well. Oh, oof, nah, surely not. Surely not, Sam. That would never happen. Of course, that would never happen. Why would that ever happen? Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder where the information as to uh, yeah. who this guy was and what his identity was and where he was living. I wonder where it came from. Uh, the <laughs> Dutch. It's they're probably just really clever. Yeah, the look, Dutch government. Maybe the, maybe the Dutch security services are really smart. Yeah. Or maybe you know they got some help. Yeah, maybe those five eyes—they're always watching. 
Uh, certainly are, including this podcast. We've got another viewer. Probably. Hello, hello to anyone to uh, the uh, our representative from the Five Eyes. It's great, great to have you listen to the podcast. Hope you're having a nice day. Yeah. Maybe cracking open a nice cold beer. Speaking of which, Sam, what are you drinking? All right. Um, so today I have got um, from Woodford's Norfolk. Uh, I have got the Wherry, an amber ale, and. You know how we love a, a self-appointed um, label trophy award. This is apparently the supreme champion beer of Britain. Wow! Yeah, clean. Not, not just like the champion beer of Britain, but like the supreme. It, it's got it's got real North Korean vibes about it. But the supreme <laughs> champion beer of Britain. Oh, but it doesn't taste North Korean. I doubt their beer is very good. What would North Korean beer taste like? Uh, bilge water. <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure you know Kim Jong and his boys at the top. They uh, they probably what beer? Did, where, yeah, what beer what, would they be drinking? Would it be does, Asahi? Does you North think Korean, they managed to smuggle North it through? Even have a beer? Yeah, but if no, but like they always import everything, right? So even though there's a ban on from Switzerland and whatever for imports, you know, on, Kim Jong on, is still. Hang on, hang on, hang on. According to Wikipedia, the wonderful, very reliable source of Wikipedia, North Korea has at least 10 major breweries and many microbreweries. The top beer is the light lager, uh, Taegonggang, very poorly pronounced, no doubt, by the state-owned Taegonggang Brewing Company. There you go. The Japanese brought beer to colonial Korea in the 1930s in the form of German lager beers. Of course they did. Of course they did. And yeah, there you go. It's probably the best in the world. Do you know what? Imagine if it was. It's, it's, it, imagine if Carlsberg knew that they were lying the whole time and that yeah. the Taedong lager was not probably the best beer in the world, but the best beer in the world yeah so while i'm sure north korea they need alcohol i mean that is how you uh that is how you reward the uh the serfs and how you revolt the quality of the beer i would say is very questionable and i would assume that the uh the high command drink imported beer and i wonder what that beer might be given there are so many import bans I would probably imagine, yeah, I would imagine it'll be from China, that they'll get it. There are a lot of German beer breweries from the colonial era in various places. I would imagine it'd be something like that, that the, uh, the Kim Jong-ils and uns would be, uh, would be quaffing. But I, don't, I wonder what brand it is. Mm. It's, probably, it's probably something from, it's probably just like Corona. You reckon? Well, since everyone's terrified of Corona now, um, it, it, they're probably in, in excess, excess Coronas. You know, I was interested uh, while we were talking about what North Korea would drink. I thought I'd check in on our old mate, uh, Diageo, and just to see, uh, oh see, see how they're going uh, at the moment. And um, you know what? It's, it's, not, it's not a horrible chart at all. People are drinking, mate. Don't you worry. People continue to drink. And um, 
why do they do it? What, what what's going on? What compels people to, to, to drink so much? I'm I'm of this. I'm always of the, of the sort of the the traditional financial uh, brain in me. Always comes back to a well balanced you know, stock portfolio with a number of you know defensive stocks, if you will, coupled with a allocation of extreme high risk growth opportunities, um, of which you know frankly most are probably not going to pay off but only a couple you want to that will sort of tip you up that scale of, of returns but you know these big multi-billion dollar beverage companies like like uh old mates diageo's uh it's hard to ignore it's hard to ignore those kinds of stocks man speaking of uh big brands i was at the Brewdog agm last oh, yeah. weekend the notorious one for uh the the queues this was the first time that they had held it in Hazelhead Park in Aberdeen. Yeah. And uh, actually, I think, well, I didn't stay there for too long because the queues were pretty ridiculous. But big turnout. I do, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was a strong turnout. Strong turnout. Wasn't probably as strong as previous AGMs, I would say, but it was still strong enough. You know, the place was still even. And, uh, but the queues for like getting one beer. Uh, because they only give you like one cup, uh, we're, we're, we're pretty bad. But the you know good weather and uh, which is always nice in Aberdeen, very rare. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think it was it was decent enough. I don't think it was as bad as some people said it was. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's Brewdog in it. Yeah, so uh, you know it's so uh, there, was, there, were, there were no uh, there were no protests. There was. Um... You know, no, no calls to overthrow the the grand grandmasters. There was a lot of people gathered beside in front of the stage to watch the presentation from the founders, and uh, I that that was not me, but it was on loudspeaker, so you couldn't really help but listen to what it was. And they, I think the presentation presentation started with James saying, uh, "I'm not wearing this mask for COVID. It's just in case any journalists might recognize me." Uh, and I think that was their attempt to quell uh, the the discontent in the ranks. They were wearing masks. Uh, well, he was at the beginning, but then he took it off because it was just a joke. Ah, okay. Wow. <laughs> great, great, great joke. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I imagine. I imagine the lot. The uh, the the sort of global markets and global economy uh, position over the last twelve months is probably. Put the Brewdog IPO on ice for an indefinite period as well. I wonder if that, like, I wonder if that's ever really the plan. I think they like this private equity situation where they say, well, the price is, um, and you just keep it going for long enough that the people who originally bought are so fed up that they don't care that they're not going to make any money. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tend to think that they might be just so arrogant that they would rather run the company into the ground than let the markets decide what the valuation of it could be. I think it's uh, arrogance is certainly there. I think that there's more money to be made keeping things private and sure. Uh, making sure all the metrics are constant. And because there's so much money in private equity funds now, there is so much money. So I think keeping it that way is probably in their interest. Uh, for a long time but i don't know i don't like because i'm not a massive brewdog fan i was given those shares as a as a gift 
as a birthday yeah. present, in fact. So it's not my money. And that's uh, a great, the AGMs, that's a great gift, really. Yeah. I mean, if you get if you get access to the AGMs, because they are, in my view, or at least not this one, but the previous AGMs were like the best beer festivals I've ever been to in the UK. <laughs> I think that that's that's good enough for me. I don't really care what happens with the uh, with the shares because it it is a bit of a joke. If you know what, uh, if you understand like public and private, and the valuation that they're selling these shares at to the everyman, like the everyman is getting rinsed. But it's because they buy into the whole belief. They're probably in their probably late 30s to 40s, maybe 50s, and they want to feel young again. They want to feel like punks. They like uh, wearing leather jackets with studs on them, even though they are, you know, some old guys who aren't bikers. They're probably accountants. They're probably white collar. And, you know, they just really like that idea. They just want to be young again, bro. I want to be punk. I'm such a rebel with my midlife crisis and, uh, you know, divorce and uh all that so yeah. I, I i don't really care but you know as long as they throw a good show i'm happy that's all i'm there for it, it, but it might it might be like the days of when um knowing a few people that work in the banking industry it might but it might be like the days of when you know banks used to have these massive extravagant christmas parties and then all of a sudden you know it was bad pr to be seen to be having these big extravagant christmas parties um, during you know periods of basically financial crisis, um, so that that was all put, kind of put to an end um, oh, about five or six years ago, I think. Um, and maybe it's the same thing. It's just that now it, it, it's it's a bit uh, on the nose to have these grand, extravagant, best beer festivals uh, you've ever been through. Maybe maybe those days are long gone. Maybe you've you reached peak peak Brewdog AGM. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think given the quality of uh, you know service at this one, because the queues were everywhere, they did not have enough staff, and I think there were big issues with the kegs. So for to fill one cup, you know, they had to there were needed to be like three attempts per time, uh, because there was too much too much gas in there. You're right about uh, private equity think- money, though. I was looking at. Uh, I, I interesting. Someone asked me today. They have, were looking. They have a a stock investment filter that they they use it's a sort of a homemade um set of equations and filters and things and victoria's secret had popped up on their radar and uh and they said oh what do you think of, of vs and i was like well i wouldn't touch it i wouldn't go near it because well, the whole you know epstein thing yeah you know that thing? there's there's a lot of that coming out with that 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 docu series that's just come out on them they're a bit irrelevant now as the, compared to what they used to be. But I, I made the point that that one of their major competitors is the, the Rihanna's company, Savage X Fenty, which is seems to be much more culturally relevant today. Now, yeah, yeah, is growing at an astronomical rate. And then I saw that they'd done a couple of fundraising rounds and some some private equity money had recently found its way into Savage X Fenty, giving it a valuation of around $3 billion already. I, I can't speak to Savage X Fenty, but uh, I, I think that's the first I've heard of it. But uh, when that's it comes a to lot, Victoria's it's Secret... A, it's a very, relatively very new company um, that does exactly what Victoria's Secret does, but it's much more appealing to a broader uh, demographic of uh, society. And um, 
Yeah, like two. I think I saw something like two hundred percent revenue growth or something in the last year, and they got a did a hundred, couple of hundred mil of fundraise from VC and private equity, and bang, three billion. Fuck, Rihanna's made more money off of this than she's ever she'll ever make for selling any records. Yeah, that's the that's the pipeline now. You need to be a musician in order to then make an underwear brand that then makes you the real money. It's a bit like nice. how politicians ad, uh, administer themselves to uh, multiple portfolios so that they, after they've finished doing their public service, they can go to the private sector and make a mozza in the private sector. Same for musicians. It's really, it's really just about getting yourself the platform so that you can go into, uh, into business making some sort of consumer good slash apparel. That's why every uh, every Formula One driver now has their own apparel range as well, I believe. Yeah, that you do a tour of duty, do you? <laughs> you do a tour of duty as a musician in order to then make some real money selling lingerie. All right. It's like actors. Um, actors only think, get into acting now so that they can launch alcohol companies. Hmm. It's probably the same with TikTok stars as well, right? The whole influencer thing. Well, I think don't they get into TikTok just so they can become boxers? Isn't that how ah, works? yeah, the, there is that pipeline as well. Uh, there's a lot of money to be made in boxing, clearly. Celebrity, celebrity boxing. Well, I think I didn't I see that. Was it Logan Paul that recently just signed with the WWE? I wouldn't be surprised. I don't follow <laughs> I think he did. I'm pretty sure he did. But it's, um, I, I saw, was it, I saw something else. Uh, what was it? Oh, um, Brian Cranston and, um, uh, what's his name? The guy that played Jesse in Breaking Bad. Aaron Paul. Uh, Aaron Paul. Yeah, they uh I think they've just launched their own uh like Mezcal tequila alcohol brand as well or or maybe not launched it themselves but are a part of that. It's just yeah. it's like the amount it, I, I blame George Clooney to be fair. He cuz he made a fucking killing off of his was it vodka or tequila or something? Or well, no, it's not Nespresso. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, here, theory, booze booms and bust theory. Uh, every advert where George Clooney is holding an espresso, it's actually Guinness. That's why the head is so crisp and it's constant in all. Yeah, the I've got to admit, I've had a few Nespresso machines over the over time, and I've never seen one come out like it does on the George ads. It's because it's Guinness. That's why he's smiling so much. Because <laughs> every take, he's just taking a shot of Guinness. Yeah, actually, he's got a full me. pint of it waiting for him. We used to play this drinking game uh, back when we were kids. It was a hundred shots of beer in a hundred minutes. Dude, just fucking drink it all. Like, don't give me the shots. I know it's it into a bucket. It, it sounds ridiculous, but do you know how difficult that is to actually do? I've heard of that one. I've heard of that one, but I've never seen anyone like attempt it. I mean, it just sounds like so much effort. Like a hundred <laughs> shots. You want to? Want to? Who wants to pour a hundred shots? No, just pour it all into one container. Like when I was a kid, when we were going to house parties and shit, we'd just be emptying out vases and just filling that. <laughs> Sounds like you're a lot more organized than uh, we were. I think that I think it was because the because the premise is that it's it's nearly impossible to actually do. Like you you you, what is it like three liters of beer or something in an in hour one hour hour forty, 40 minutes. Three liters of beer. No, that is not impossible. What are you talking about? How like that's a couple of steins. Uh 
that's three steins in an hour and a half. It's not that it can't be done. It's just that you're pretty fucked afterwards. Mm, like that is nah, like, nah. I, I've had my fair share of steins. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think I can't remember how many, but it was definitely more than six or seven had to have been when I was at Oktoberfest, but that was over the space of a few hours. That wasn't over an hour, just over an hour and a half. That is not impossible. That is definitely doable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just you know a Stiefel? Have you ever seen those, the Stiefel glasses? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could do one of those in an hour. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying, hundred. Well, when you're 16, 100 shots in 100 minutes is. Oh sure. Yeah. When you you're know, anybody out there who wants to try it on and you know get back to us, let us know how you got on. You know, social experiment. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, wouldn't plan on driving anywhere that that evening. That would not be. That would not be recommended. Or riding, driving or after. probably walking anywhere either. <laughs> Yeah, just make sure you make it to the toilet. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. This week, I'm actually drinking my final blockhead from Cheddar Ales. Our 6.25% deep amber ale to celebrate the harvening. Harvening feels so long ago, man. That was ages ago. That the last like harvening? Two years ago, man, was it? Yeah. The whole Terra debacle occurred at exactly the 50% waypoint between that happening to the next one and yeah blockhead feels ages ago we came up with this but yes yeah, is my final one there it was a limbs edition so i don't know who else is still holding on to some blockhead but if we'd have been a little bit more prepared it should have got one done called the merge uh well for the eth maxis eh? the eth maxis <laughs> The September is it? I think September nineteenth merge now. A month away. Are you are you hyped, Sam? Ah, oh, to the moon. <laughs> Just Lambos, man. Lambos and moons. Yeah, I uh, yeah. I was actually having a conversation with a with a, a software engineer uh, yesterday about Ethereum because obviously I'm in the Solana ecosystem now. Yeah. And Ethereum's never really grabbed me, but I, I like the Solana idea. Um, but this, yeah, do you think the merge, well, for anyone listening, can you explain what the merge is? To them? Uh, in short, Ethereum's going from proof of stake to proof of work. That's that's the nuts and bolts of it. Was that no, not meant to happen? Wait, hang on, like, did I say, I, I've ago? said that around the wrong way, haven't I? It's gone from proof of work to proof of stake. Yeah. Uh, was that not meant to happen quite a long time ago, though, Sam? Yeah, man. It was like meant to happen like a year ago. So, Are you sure it's going to happen this time? No, not at all. <laughs> it's, it, it, I mean, it probably. It's more likely going to happen now than it has. Well, not more likely. Who knows? Who fucking knows with this stuff? <laughs> Vitalik said so. So, you know, it has to be. It has to be that it doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> Vitalik's such a character. Did you read his uh, Vitalik Buterin? Did you read his blog post on? So <laughs> it was about it was about six weeks ago, I think. Uh, his blog post on how to make the most out of your uh, luggage when you're traveling. Yeah. So how yeah how to save as much space as possible inside. So everyone is like Vitalik. Why is the why is the price going down? Vitalik's like here you go. Here's how to save more space in your cabin luggage. 
But, 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 and I think, I think we may have discussed this on one of our Booze, Booms and Bus episodes. He had a referral code too. <laughs> Vitalik really needs money. He, he really needs like, the money. That shows you just where crypto's at when Vitalik has a referral code for backpacks. Oh, man. That's classic. So watch out when 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 you see a Satoshi referral code for um you know like cheeseburgers or something like that you'll know the jig is up and we're all fucked. Yeah, it's done. It's all over. It's <laughs> over. All right, Sam. How would you rate your your supreme beer? You, the um, North Korean supreme champion beer of Britain from Woodford's Brewery in Norfolk. Um, yeah, it's it's actually quite an easy drinking beer. The worry. Um, an amber owl. I don't, don't mind an amber owl. I always have been partial to an amber owl. Um, I would rate that as an A plus. Oh wow, not bad. Not yeah. bad. I'm going through quite a long streak of not rating many beers. So, as this blockhead, uh, we did commission this. I shout, I can't rate, but it is fantastic. The longer it's aged, the better it's gone. Uh, I hope we see its likes it likes again sometime. Maybe at the next happening. That's um that's my approach to life is I'm just hoping that the the longer I go on and the more I age the better I get. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, don't uh, don't become one of the uh, the punks at uh, Brewdog who are just desperately trying to be in their twenties again. There will be no leather jackets in this in this wardrobe. Oh, good. Please hear it. Any closing topics you'd like to finish on? Uh, no, just I'm busting for a piss now. <laughs> and i'll leave all right well on that, that bombshell that wonderful quote. visceral thought yeah yeah on that on that incredible end note to episode 84 we shall close here today yeah sorry it's been quite a long time before we've uh before we come up with a new episode to everyone listening our schedules are obviously pretty tricky at the minute but uh, we shall endeavor to keep this going so in the meantime i hope you all have a very good weekend and uh, we'll see you in the next one, whenever that may be. Bye-bye.